Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So we just went, we just went behind the enemy lines with Kevin Fishbane, a Chicago Bears reporter for The Athletic. Stubb, what did we learn there? I mean, I guess we, what, the most interesting thing that I learned was that Chicago's pass rush is an issue. And as much as we've been talking about the offensive line struggles for Washington, Sam Howell takes another uh, five-sack game. It feels like, you know, it feels like every single drive there's a chance he could have a back-breaking sack because our offensive line struggles or he holds on to it too long. Uh, But that was interesting to hear that Chicago really struggles there. And that leads me to believe that the offense is going to really put up a lot of points. Uh, He feels the same way, that Chicago against Washington could be much more high-scoring this year than it was last year in that Thursday night football 12-7 final. Uh, So I thought that was really an interesting take there from Kevin Fishbane. And look, this is a must-win game for Washington. If you want to be a playoff team, you cannot lose a game to a team that's only defeated, right? They're not undefeated. They're only defeated. They're an 0-4 football team. They're last place in the NFC North. Uh, They blew a 28-7 lead against the Broncos, blown out by the Chiefs 41-10, lose to the Buccaneers 27-17, destroyed by the Packers 38-20. They're giving up uh, basically an average of 34-35 points per game. Washington's got to put points on the board and early, just like they did against the Eagles. Two straight drives to start the game. 14 points on the board. That's exactly what I want to see on Thursday night against the Chicago Bears. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, host of the Take Command podcast. You can also hear him daily on the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. It's Craig Hoffman. What's going on, Craig? What's up, everyone? How are you, man? Doing pretty well here. And we just went behind the enemy lines talking with a Bears reporter, and he believes that their pass rush is an issue, and they're they're not going to get after Sam Howell as bad as offensive line has been for Washington. Yeah, I mean, watching their last game, I don't think their defensive line is very scary. Um, you know, they faced a couple of really good D lines in a row. And the thing is, like, the offensive line hasn't been that bad. The protection has been bad, and I think that's an important distinction like the deal line has played not great specifically last weekend but sam's got rid of the ball a lot faster um and the receivers are more open and so that combination leads to the ball getting out faster that combination leads to less sacks and then you know what happens on the rest of the plays and that's where i think this o-line has separated itself is it's not like you know if there's 70 plays in a game there's five sacks and 65 bad other plays it's like 65 pretty good plays, and then five sacks that happen for a variety of reasons. And so I do think that there'll be time for Sam and and the passing attack to operate pretty well against Chicago Thursday. And, and Craig, I want to get your take on this, but I I totally love what I've seen from Eric Biennemi all season long. I get it. A lot of people were down on him for that Bills game. I I blame it all on Howell, who had the four turnovers. I didn't think the play calling was the issue as much as the execution. And then that was a great bounce-back game uh, against the Eagles offensively. What did you think of the play calling? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, I I think Biennemi really got into a nice rhythm, and I think that the thing that I love is like how he moved the pocket early yeah. and there's more running the football, which is fantastic um, for what they needed. It takes some decisions off of Sam's plate. It lets the offensive line feel the game a little bit more, but it also, you know, it, it also sets up some of the play action, some of the roles, some of the things like that. 
that helps get the ball out of Sam's hands. So I, I really liked it. And also, you know, you get that efficient offensively, and it makes your play calling look good. What I mean by efficiency is you can start to convert third downs, and you wind up running 77 plays, and all of a sudden at the end of the game, everyone's psyched that Terry got 10 touches and yeah. or targets, Jahan got nine, or Jahan got eight, and Curtis got nine. It's like, well, yeah, when you run 77 plays, that can happen. Yeah, I, I, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me also was the the change of emphasis to target Terry McLaurin early and often, just get the ball into his hands and, and let him make plays. Uh, did you have you know any problem with Washington not going for two there at the end of the game? Very big problem with it. Um, and I've become more firm in this position the further I've gotten away from the game. Uh, and I'll give Grant Paulson, uh, our friend uh, and colleague up at 106.7 The Fan Credit for this, like when you're playing on Thursday night, you got to end that game as soon as possible on Sunday. <laughs> and I think it's the right decision, even if you're playing going into a bye week, but it is further emphasized and further underscored by the fact that you have a quick turnaround and the extra snaps are, you know, bad for your players because it's, it's harder to recover from because they're doing more damage to their bodies and you don't want it to hurt against Chicago. And you wind up losing two games instead of one because you make the wrong decision. So going into that game, Rivera should have said, if I find myself in this situation, we're going for two. But also, you know, all the usual stuff. Analytics say it's, it's uh, better for you. Uh, you're on the road. You're theoretically the, the less skilled roster. Um, all those reasons are reasons to go for two and get the game over. But it's driven home by the fact that the quick turnaround uh, makes that a, a no-brainer opposite of the decision that Rivera made. Yeah, and that make, it makes a ton of sense when you put it like that. And I, I didn't have the biggest problem with it, but I'll tell you, what's what's haunting me and, and really getting under my skin is that I felt like Jack Del Rio didn't blitz until the fourth quarter in overtime. And then he blitzed on the one play where I absolutely didn't want him to blitz. They had a 63-yard field goal attempt, but then you blitz and you give up the nine-yard pass to Devontae Smith uh, there where I thought they could have contained and tried to hold them to just three or four yards on that play. How many times do you think they're going to try to blitz more than four guys against this Bears team Thursday night? I mean, they'll, they'll do what they do. They, they blitz a little more than that. Um, and on that play, we actually talked about the situational stuff on at the end of Take Command this week. So if people want more on that, including Logan Paulson's thoughts on the, the blitz and the coverage and all that kind of stuff, um, I would definitely recommend listening. But, I mean, I agree with you there. Not necessarily that I dislike the blitz call. I actually like it, but – you have to then play it. If you're going to go cover zero, meaning you're man-to-man, no safety help, and we're doing that because everyone else that's not covering a wide receiver is blitzing, you have to not play third and 17. You have to play it like third and six. Like, yeah. okay, we're not going to give up. Giving up 12 yards is not a job well done. That's a, that's a way to lose the game. And they, they didn't really make that adjustment. And so that, that's very frustrating. Um, I agree with you, but against Justin Fields, like I would not pressure him a ton. I would try to sit back, play with four, tell them to be super disciplined in the rushes, make him beat you as a passer, because I do not think consistently he can do that. And to an extent, he shows you that versus, uh, versus Denver, a Denver defense that's not good at all. Um, when they kind of chilled out a little bit more in the second half, he stopped making all these plays off schedule. And, you know, eventually even at the very end of the game, throws a game ceiling interception uh, when when they need to try to get a game-tying field goal because he's got to sit back in the pocket and, and be consistently accurate and make the right reads, and it's not where he is in his development at this point. Craig Hoffman with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on The Fan. 
Do you have a good feeling about Thursday night? I mean, it's screaming trap game. You're going against one of the worst teams in the NFL. You're coming off of a heartbreaking defeat. Luckily, it's at home. The place should be rocking. How do you feel about Thursday night? I mean, I I feel pretty good. The will it be rocking part is interesting to me. Um, I I don't feel like I have a great feel of what the crowd's going to be like. It's Thursday night. Uh, I'll tell you personally, I have a ton of friends that are going to this game. Like, they circled this of the game that they wanted to go to. I mean, you don't always get prime time games, even though FedEx Field sucks, it's still prime time. No, I I think that's definitely true. I mean, people have shown that they're willing to come out at every juncture that we've had so far. I mean, the Bills game is an exception because Bills fans bought those tickets way before the sale of the team. Yeah. Um, But it's like, you know, on, on a Thursday night with Beltway traffic, two people come out. It's like, oh, no, they came out on a Monday for a preseason game against Baltimore, so maybe. Um, but I, I, I do think there's a maturity to this team. The trap game thing doesn't concern me. I don't think that they're good enough to be like, ah, they're definitely going to win because Chicago is bad. Um, the commanders are, you know, they're better than Chicago, but they're not that much better, and there's not like the Chiefs or the Bills or, or the Dolphins or whoever. But I do feel good about the maturity and kind of the character of this team that they're not going to take this game lightly, and especially after they just lost such a heartbreaker. I think they're probably pretty pissed, and uh, hopefully they take it out on the Bears, and it's a really fun Thursday night. Absolutely. I mean, this is an interesting stretch of the season here because I feel like if they play well, they could roll off three straight and face off against the Eagles in a rematch sitting at 5-2. and two. So, I mean, this is probably the biggest stretch of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, no, they've got it. They've got some opportunities, and you know this is why I always think the schedule thing's a bit silly at the beginning of the year uh, when <laughs> the schedule comes out and people do records. It's like you don't know. You don't know what your team's going to look like. You don't know what the other team's going to look like. Uh, injuries, playing, changing year to year. It's too many factors. But from what we've seen so far, definite opportunity the next couple of weeks. Do you think they still keep handing the ball to Antonio Gibson? I know he recovered his own fumble, but my goodness, I don't trust him. Yes. Um, and I think that they should. I mean, that was a weird – that was like a, a pitch play, wasn't it, where yeah. the ball hits the ground. Um, you know, maybe the pitch is a little low. I don't know. I actually, in watching back Bears and uh, and uh, Broncos, I think that some of the runs that Denver sprang are more Antonio Gibson runs than they are Brian Robinson runs in terms of the style and, and how this team calls them. So I actually think Antonio Gibson could have a huge night Thursday, which would be fantastic as a confidence boost on national TV to come out and, hey, I don't fumble the ball, and I'm good. Remember me? Yeah, I know. How great would it be, Craig, to do a Victory Friday show? <laughs> oh, a lot better than Misery Friday, I'll tell you that much right now. I sure I, I don't know, Adam, if I can handle two Misery, uh, misery shows in one week. A Misery Monday and a Misery Friday? What kind of week is that? I know. It would be so awful. Hey, uh, let my audience know, when does the new Take Command podcast come out every week? So normally it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This week is chaos because of this game. Uh, We did our film review podcast from Philly that normally comes out on Wednesdays. We flipped it, put it out this morning. It's available now. Normally on Friday mornings, uh, the preview podcast comes out. That wouldn't do you very good this week. So we're going to do that, record it, flip it put it out tomorrow morning, and then we will do our instant reaction show instead of right after the game at midnight on Thursday. We're going to do that early Friday morning and put that out immediately. So uh, best thing to do, Adam, just subscribe. That, that's, that's the way we go. We don't tell you uh, to save our own breath uh, or to waste our own breath. It's because it's actually the best way to, to make sure that you get all the content whenever it comes out. Craig, great stuff, man. I appreciate it. You got it. See you, man. Yep, that's Craig Hoffman. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan.
Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, phone lines are always open. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We're getting back into the NBA at 2.30 with Justin Fensterman. Get his thoughts on NBA Media Day. I believe in the Eastern Conference, it's the Bucks as the team to beat in the West. It's got to be the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray saying, why not us? Why can't we repeat as NBA champions? But right now, it's time to catch you up on the latest in the world of Hollywood and entertainment, TV, movies, podcasts, more on Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, so it's Awad here with Christopher. Christopher goes by Stub because he's a huge uh, movie goer. And the theme on Netflix today I want to bring up for you is best food movies of all time. Now, I'm going to go through my top five, but here are a few uh, that uh, I think should be honorable mention. Can't do a food segment without giving a shout-out to Disney Pixar's Ratatouille. I mean, love that movie. That's got to be my number one You think it's your number oh, one? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love it. Anytime I watch it, I just think it's it's delightful. It's so much fun. I have not seen the new food movie that everyone's talking about called Boiling Point. Have you heard about that? I have not heard about it's that. It's supposed to be excellent. I believe it just came out. Uh, there, there's a ton of really good ones. You know, there. I I didn't really like uh, Burnt. That's the movie with the guy from The Hangover. What's his name? Bradley Cooper. Uh, it's not that it's not that great, uh, but there there's a ton of really good food movies. I guess you could count Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in that category as well. Julia and Julia, uh, Nicholas Cage's Pig was listed here. Uh, but here are my top five food movies, and I have been in a food movie uh, just binge right yeah. now. All right, so number five for my list here is The Founder. Give me, a, give me a ding for the founder. Obviously, if you haven't seen that, it's the story of McDonald's with Michael Keaton. Gives you the behind the scenes. Have you seen this movie? I was about to list that in my top five. It is it, excellent. It's great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it really, you didn't know much about the story. It's kind of interesting because Michael Keaton's character, Ray Kroc, is kind of a a-hole. Like, he's kind of a D-bag the way he treats uh, Dick and Mac McDonald. Right? Yeah. In the movie. Uh, so that's uh, definitely number five on my list, though. Number four, The Menu. I loved The Menu. It's like a horror version of like a, a fine dining. What did you think of The Menu? Did not miss that one. And I've I've been meaning to oh, see it. Oh, so you it. haven't seen I've it? I've not seen it. It's it, been on my list forever. It might jump up to number one because, it's, my goodness, Ray Fiennes is incredible. He's a great villain in that movie. It's excellent. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. There is one scene when you see this movie, you'll be like, Oh my God, the third course threw me for a loop. I did not see that coming. It's that wild. Number three, this is a comedy. It's for anyone that's ever worked um, in a restaurant as a waiter. I'm sure you've seen this and loved it. Dane Cook stars in Waiting. Have you seen this no, comedy? I'm not. Dude, Dude I-, I hate giving you homework, but you have to watch Waiting. You have to watch Waiting. It's one of the greatest comedy movies of all time. It's so great. If you Have you ever worked as a, as a um, waiter or waitress? I have not. 
Oh my gosh. There's so many pop culture references from that movie. Like they, they used to like, you know, throw food on the ground or spit on it when somebody complains. Like it's just everything from that movie waiting is so classic. Uh, it, it's hilarious. I looked it up and you're not going to like this, but I've, I've seen a lot of it on TikTok. Oh, no. I, they get to put a lot of clips on there that I've watched. Well, that just tells you it's a good movie. <laughs> Number two, I love the movie Chef. Have you seen Chef, John no. Favreau? No. Oh, it's like uh, he like quits everything he's doing to start like a um, food truck, and and it is it is delightful. It's just a pleasant movie. But number one, I just watched this movie. I'm giving it a five out of five rating. Five out of five joggers from AWOD. It is called Hunger, and it is available on Netflix right now. Have you heard about this movie at all? No, nothing okay. about it. It is. Unbelievable. It's just, it's a really inspirational story about this woman who runs her family's stir-fried noodles restaurant in, in Bangkok. And so it, it, the whole movie is based in Thailand. The language is Thai. You have to watch with subtitles, obviously. But it's just an uh, inspirational story. And it's kind of like, uh, I almost feel like it's like that uh, the movie The Menu mixed with The Bear the bear and so it's one it's just one of those movies there that it keeps you entertained throughout the entire movie at the end of it you'll be like holy crap uh, i can't believe that just happened at the end it is really entertaining and and it's just it's like i said it's inspirational you, you're like falling in love with the main character and you're hoping that she can save her family's restaurant and, and make it as a star uh, a star chef and so i don't know why i've been obsessed with food movies as of late but I'm having a ton of fun, and the next one I'm going to watch is Boiling Point uh, that should be available soon. If you want to chime in, phone lines are always open, 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. All right, Stubb, who do we got on line one? Is this Gino? Yeah, we got Gino from Richmond. Gino, you're on the fan with AWOD. Food movie. What's going on, Gino? What's going on, A-Y? First time call, uh, been listening to you since you had the show up. Uh, I'm a big fan uh, down here in Richmond. But I was listening to your uh, topic about the food movies. And um, it's a slept-on movie that I'm pretty sure that a lot of people don't know about. It's an Eddie Murphy movie. It's not funny. It's called Mr. Church. It's actually a true story. Pretty good movie when it comes to, like, if you into food, cooking, and you love food, you will love the movie. Um, it's It's kind of slow, but it's a real good movie. All right, Murphy, good job. I'm looking it up right now. 2016 drama, Mr. Church, starring Eddie Murphy. He's Henry Church. So what would you give a, a rating for this movie? Honestly, if I had to give it a... I mean, I sat and watched it, and I, and I fall asleep on a lot of movies. But <laughs> I'd give it about a four, a four, four, four out of five stars. If you're looking at just, just the cooking aspect of it, it's, um, it's basically about a guy that comes in and he promises his friend that he would take care of his wife after he died. And she ends up having like some kind of cancer or something. So he promises he will watch after her, take care of her and her daughter until she dies because she only has X amount of time to live or whatever. So the movie's really good. It's a touching movie. Very, it's very sad in the end, but also it's kind of, you know, it's inspiring as well. And it's a fantastic food movie. Very slept on. I love it, man. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to check it out. I'm on this food binge. Right now, hey, hey, Gino, what'd you think of the the list that I came up with? Have you seen any of those? Um, absolutely. I was just thinking as you was listening off the names, I probably would put menu number one. Yeah, um, it's because so good. I just seen that probably a month ago. Crazy, crazy <laughs> movie. 
Did not expect it, and um, probably um, I would probably put the Bradley Cooper movie number two because I thought that was uh, that's just basically it, it shows you exactly the life of like one of those five, four, five star restaurants, you know, yeah. that type of deal. How they work in the kitchen, fantastic. So I do, I respect the lineup, and I forgot about um, oh, what is that one that you said? Um, waiting. Oh, what is it? What is it? Uh, yes, waiting. Yeah. One of the funniest movies ever made, up there with Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Like, that you'll probably never see a movie like that ever made again. Fantastic movie. You have to see it. If you haven't ever seen Waiting, dude, you're going you're gonna to trip out. And you might not go I know. Stop. What are you doing? Uh, come on. He, he's telling you you got to watch the movie, Stop. <laughs> it's on the list. It's on the list already. <laughs> hey, Gino, I appreciate you calling, yes, man. Have you, ever, have you ever worked at a restaurant before? Absolutely. I worked at Shoney's. I worked at, um, I don't know if you remember this uh, restaurant called, uh, uh, was it was a steakhouse, steak and ale. Was it steak and ale? I think it was steak and ale. But, um, yeah, I worked at a few restaurants in my life, uh, bars. So, yeah, I know that environment, so yeah. which is why I think I, I kind of cling to those cooking movies. So have you checked out The Bear on FX yet, though? Um, I've already watched both seasons, believe it or not. My guy. Um, my guy. Yeah. Gino, great call. Gino bringing his aim game. We love it, man. Yes, sir. All right, man. Yes, I appreciate sir, you man, chiming sir. in. appreciate you guys. Y'all keep... Keep doing your thing, Ewan. Yep, yeah, man. Hey, and, and call more often. I guess we we got to hit a nerve here talking food shows. <laughs> Gino's been listening for months. Finally picked up the phone. We appreciate you chiming in. This was Netflix here on AWOD Radio. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan. Now, at 105.1 FM, got you covered on both ends of the dial. Here in Richmond, Virginia, as we're live and local, Monday through Friday, from 12 to 3 p.m., always available on the Odyssey app, downloaded today for free, or check out the best of AWOD Radio. That that was a great Netflix stub. That's going to definitely be on the best of AWOD Radio. It's available for you on your drive home, ready by 4 p.m. Just search AWOD Radio on Spotify, iTunes, and more. So yesterday was NBA Media Day. Got me a little fired up here. Let me hear that NBA theme song here so I can get myself going. As right now, on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's our buddy Justin Fensterman from SiriusXM. What's going on, Fensty? Hey, Wad, it's our season. The NBA will be back in just a couple of weeks. It's great being on with you again, man. Yeah, man. So let's just start with what Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray said. I kind of want to make a joke about how uh, Jokic is like, basketball is job. It is not life. It is job. But why can't they repeat as NBA champions? I mean, I think they absolutely can. I mean, I know losing Bruce Brown's very, very, quote, impactful. But at the same time, we saw what this team could do. And Awan, I went on your show questioning the depth of this team going into the playoffs. And they certainly proved me wrong and were able to make their long playoff run and route to a championship. So I think they definitely still have a chance, even though they're going to have some threats from, the, of course, the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Suns coming out of the West. Yeah, I mean, who do you think is the biggest threat uh, to the Nuggets? I, I want to lean Warriors because I'm not a believer in anything the Suns are doing. I'm kind of uh, anti-Bradley Beal here, uh, the way he ruined my Wizards franchise. But what do you think? Who are the biggest favorites in the West? I mean, I have to say the Los Angeles Lakers, what we saw from them after the All-Star break and that defense after they got their 
key pieces that they got during the trade deadline. That was no joke. And I think coming into this year, as long as, of course, now it all comes down to how their veterans like LeBron and Anthony Davis can stay healthy in the season. But they've got the pieces, they've got the defense, and they also added some three-point shooting, which they were missing out on. So I'm watching the Lakers, and I'm watching those Lakers' odds as well to even win the division. You don't believe in the Suns, Awad. You think maybe they're a little top-heavy. This is a team right here that's complete and has definitely improved on the defensive and three-point shooting end. Over to the NBA's Eastern Conference, obviously – the headlines are the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Adetti Acumpo alongside Damian Lillard. Uh, they, uh, I mean, they still have Lopez. Uh, they still have Middleton. Uh, is there anyone stopping the Bucks in the East? Yeah, I think that the Celtics, after trading for Drew Holiday, I gave them a standing ovation in my home studio, A. Watt, because <laughs> that's a way to capitalize right there. If you're the Boston Celtics, ooh, the Bucks. Just making a splash, keeping Giannis in Milwaukee, getting Damian Lillard. Uh-oh, what are you going to do? The Celtics say, you know what? We traded Marcus Smart away. We got Kristaps Porzingis, a yeah. who you know a lot about. I know a lot about as well being a Knicks fan. But they got offense in him, and now trading for a defensive guard to fill those Marcus Smart shoes with even more reliable offense, Drew Holiday definitely makes the Celtics a threat. That is why, when you're looking at the odds to win the championship on DraftKings, both the Celtics and the Bucks sit at plus 400 right now. Yeah, it's certainly a good pickup. I've always loved Drew Holiday. Back to his time uh, in New Orleans with the, with the Pelicans there. Uh, but, you know, we both said, you said it, we both know Kristaps Porzingis. I think he peaked a couple years ago with Washington, and I don't think he's going to get back to that form. I just feel like he's always injured. Uh, New York, uh, Boston's going to be a tough place to play for him. You know they're going to come down hard on him anytime he has a bad game. I just feel like he's going to struggle this season, man. You know, they don't need as much on him. Kristaps Porzingis has proven, especially health-wise, that he can't be relied on as a number one, number two, or even a questionable number three option. You put him on this Boston Celtics team and getting a guy like Drew Holiday means you don't have to rely as much on Porzingis, even to be healthy, let alone to put up that offense. And I think still having a guy like Horford there in Boston as well, let Horford hang at the arc and let Porzingis be that big body. And we talked about this a lot last year. Let this guy be the center. Let this guy play in the paint more, even though he has that range. And let Horford sit out there at the arc, use it at a bigger size. And Boston could certainly do that without over-utilizing Kristaps Porzingis. Justin Fensterman with us here on the Hadeen Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media at Fensty Sports, covering the NBA for SiriusXM, and it's just crazy the way the sports world works. I mean, uh, a couple months ago before the NFL came back, it felt like every day there was an article, there was a TV show talking about Wemby, Victor Wembanyama. I'm not hearing much hype anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that Chet Holmgren uh, showed up in Summer League, and I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, Why do you think it's been quiet on, on the Wemby front in the last few months? Well, I think you just said it. With Summer League, I don't think people were that impressed. This is just another big guy, kind of like Porzingis, who could bring offense, but he needs some meat on those bones, though. He's got to gain some muscle mass, and it's going to take him a few years to do it, but we were saying the same thing about Giannis when he came in as a relative unknown into the league. Took him about three to four years to get his workouts right and put on that mask and look at the impact that he made. I think, Awad, when they drafted Webb and Yama, immediately the thoughts go to, oh my goodness, it's David Robinson. Oh my goodness, it's Tim Duncan. Come on, man. I mean, were you expecting this guy to be the greatest power forward or one of the greatest centers 
of all time instantly. And unfortunately, that's where Wembenyama is being comped to because of how Robinson was drafted top pick. And of course, Tim Duncan being a top pick as well. So I think the shine is off of him after seeing how he was just okay in summer league. And you said Chet Holmgren right there. Chet Holmgren, very sneaky there. That Thunder team is going to be nice and fun to watch. And also, no more Damian Lillard. Scoot Henderson running the show a little bit there, probably rotating from the one and two at the point guard in a shooting guard spot in Portland now. That's someone to watch for rookie of the year as well. All right, we've got to touch on my Washington Wizards. Uh, I'm not, you know, looking for much this season. I'm we hoping have to. <laughs> we have, we do, we do. You know, <laughs> the, the audience cares a little bit. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not like they come to Richmond. They they did for training camp a few years ago. Uh, but I mean, I will say this: Richmond cares a lot more than the NBA than they do the Wizards. Uh, but we do play the Wizards games right here on Nine Ten The Fan. We have Wizards Wednesdays with Dave Johnson. We love Dave, the voice of the Wizards uh, on the radio. Radio. I mean, what do you think? Jordan Poole might score 35 a game. Kuzma might score 30, but they're going to lose 45 games. Yeah, absolutely, Awad. And look, I like that they have Kuzma still there. And yes, they brought in Jordan Poole, nice little combo guard. Is he going to be a number one option? Well, by shot volume, he might be. You're right, 35 points. Really not many other scoring threats on that team. It is now built on Bilal Koulibaly. We're in the Koulibaly era. Get excited, Awad, of Wizards basketball here. And already Daniel Gafford, we know, is going to miss about a month of action here. Yeah, I know. I, I I kind of forgot about Koulibaly after I read that article that they might start him in the G League. Like, what are you doing? Put him in the NBA. Let him lose games. It doesn't matter this season. One team we haven't talked about yet has my favorite player in the NBA right now, and that's Luka Doncic with the Dallas Mavericks. What's going on with the offseason? Is, is Kyrie bought in? Kyrie says he's bought in, but how can I be bought in to your ceiling of your favorite player, Luka Doncic, when they have a guy who does exactly the same thing as Doncic <laughs> on the team? I get why they brought Irving back to sell tickets because he's intriguing. And yes, definitely a fine athlete indeed, but they're both the same player. It's like the Austin Powers movies. We're not so different, you and I. It's the same thing here, Awad, and I don't get how you're able to build a team when you have two guys and making a lot of money that do exactly the same thing. Egos are most likely to get in the way, and I worry about the Mavs for this season. All right, I'm going to hand the microphone over to you, Justin, and let you comment on Jimmy Butler's outfit at Media Day. Yeah, what about that hairstyle, too? It's got to be the hair cotton, seriously. I mean, it's very interesting what Jimmy Butler does, and also seeing him at Media Day right there, as someone who hasn't had a full head of hair <laughs> since the Clinton administration, Awad, I'm jealous of what Jimmy Butler could do with his hair. I can't do any of that, not even close. No, you're right. I it, I just think he looks ugly. Like I, I I look at him and I cringe. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, Jimmy? This is his. This is you know everybody had their goth emo phase in high school. This is him <laughs> upset about the Bucks getting Damian Lillard. And he's going through his own emo phase. You know we haven't mentioned a few other teams. What do you think of the Knicks this year? Well, first of all, I'll say you know that when Jimmy Butler lost the championship, he was listening to Taking Back Sunday. What do I think? <laughs> What do I think of the Knicks this year? I mean, I think that the Knicks adding Dante DiVincenzo was a perfect add. I know that they paid 50 mil, but at the same time, good combo guard, hustles on both sides, gives them a nice little spark coming in, likely off the bench. I'm wondering if they're still going to have Quentin Grimes. I like this little backcourt that they have between Brunson, Grimes, 
DiVincenzo, and even Emmanuel Quickly that they still have as well. It's going to be fun watching this Knicks team. And who's running the show at point guard at a given time? You've got a few different styles in there. So when teams are expecting a left, the Knicks are going to throw a right. So I think the Knicks are going to cause a lot of confusion because of the different stylistic guards they have on their team. Still have a little bit of a size problem, though. I mean, we know what Julius Randle can bring, but you take him out of the equation, they're going to need to be able to score points inside, and they've got to have someone that's able to attack the lane aggressively. I don't know if they have that outside of Randle. Follow Justin on social media at Fensty Sportsman, and when can they check you out? You can check me out every single Sunday on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, NFL Radio as well, and all my content at FantasyGuru.com. And by the way, those shows on Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern, bright and early, AWOD. I love it, man. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, man. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Stuff been a fun show today. Fun Tuesday show here on AWOD Radio. Had some crosstalk with Michael Phillips. How great is it to have two local sports programs here in Richmond now? The station is growing. As the kids say, we're on the come up here at 910 The Fan. Got the junkies from 6 to 10. They made a lot of headlines. And I, I will tell the, my audience members this. I completely disagree with Eric Bickle's take that if Sam Howell had a bad game against the Eagles, he was playing for his job. I think that Sam Howell, no matter what, was going to get, at least until the Falcons game, at least the first six games of the season. Uh, look, the, the junkies are just throwing things out there now because it doesn't make any sense what Eric Bickle was saying. All right, and I love EB, but he said the week before he blamed Eric Bieniemy. He said the play calling was terrible and it led to Sam Howell's four interceptions. But then the following week, you say that if Sam Howell had another stinker, that his job was on the line. Well, how does that make sense? Are you blaming EB or are you blaming Sam Howell? Remember, it felt to me like he was blaming Coach EB because he just wants to be the only EB uh, in the DMV. That's Eric Bickle, not Eric Bieniemy. But I think that Sam Howell has done wonders at the quarterback position. Yes, he had a bad game. You're going to have ups and downs as a rookie. His highs have been a lot higher than Justin Fields. They've been a lot higher than Bryce Young. They've been a lot higher than Anthony Richardson. I'm telling you guys, I feel like when I watch Sam Howell, I'm watching a rookie that was drafted in the first round. I'm not watching a fifth-round draft pick. Not with that kind of arm strength. Not with that freaking laser rockets that he's firing at all cylinders here. That is a Rocket yeah, there. I like my quarterback. I'll take my chances with my quarterback more often than not uh, compared to the other rookie and second-year quarterbacks around the NFL. But let's go around the NFL real quick as we officially turn the page to Week 5 here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL, NFL Hits on A1 Radio. All right, yesterday we were talking about the 2023 NFL MVP odds when I was live from Capital Ale House, and uh, one of the bartenders that we love at Capital Ale House, they, they take great care of me, was like, hey, what, have you started talking about Christian McCaffrey for MVP? And I said, yeah, we did mention it yesterday, but it was kind of tongue-in-cheek because although he was great with four touchdowns, 140 you know, yards total offense, and McCaffrey has 
turned that fran- uh, 49ers team around ever since he went over there. Brock Purdy deserves a lot of credit. Defensively, they deserve a lot of credit. But I just feel like the MVP, it's going to be a quarterback. This is a league here that is quarterback-driven. And I want to remind the folks listening that I said that 2023 would be the year that the NFL passer record will be broken. Somebody with the extra game will break the passing record. And the new NFL MVP odds have come out and... Tua was leading the way for a while, right? And Patrick Mahomes was up there. But after the dominant victory over the Dolphins, Josh Allen now leads all odds in MVP voting at plus 350. Plus 500 is Tua tied with Patrick Mahomes. They both have been incredible. Jalen Hurts plus 800. I mean, he's been darn good this year running and throwing the ball. Lamar Jackson with a bounce back season plus 1,200. Justin Herbert, even though the Chargers have struggled at times, I think you could kind of blame that on head coach Brandon Staley, less on Justin Herbert. He's plus 1,600. And then not Christian McCaffrey, but his quarterback, Brock Purdy, is tied for six here with the NFL updated MVP odds at plus 1,600. How about this note from ESPN Stats and Info? All right. It's funny to me because last year it was such a great year for New York baseball all right i mean the mets were good the yankees were good and then all of a sudden it kind of bled into new york football the jets were decent the giants were winning games got into the postseason well now this year it's the opposite there are only two teams who have not run an offensive play with a lead this season both new york teams the new york giants and the new york jets That's how bad it's been for New York this season. The only two teams who have not run an offensive play with a lead this season, the Giants and the Jets. And it was just so tough to watch Daniel Jones last night. And I was rooting for Tyrod Taylor to get some run. Why can't they give my Hokey an opportunity? He has been nothing but a great veteran backup for a long time. He's got some decent weapons around him. If Saquon Barkley came back, I mean, if you're a Giants fan listening right now, I want to hear from you. 833-804-0910. I backed the G-Men at the beginning of the season. What was I thinking, Stubb? I I put my my freaking reputation on the line for that crappy football team that's doing nothing but losing games. I get it. I went with the trend. I went with the, the trend. That's what all the hipsters are doing, right? You find a trend, you stick with it. The NFC East has not had a back-to-back champion in 20 years. So I crossed off the Eagles. And I said, well, let's look back at last season. Who is on the rise? Who would you say their team's, that franchise stock is on the up? I'd say that for the Cowboys, I don't think it was on the up as much as it was kind of even, right? I mean... It's hard to say it was on up and up when Dak Prescott was so bad in that playoff loss, right? Then you look at the Commanders. Man, they were in the dumps, right? <laughs> we hated Dan Snyder. We had three different bad quarterbacks last year. We're starting the season with a giant question mark in Sam Howell. He couldn't go with the Commanders. I said, yeah, it's a Giants team that went into the offseason after getting the playoffs. We're able to re-sign Saquon Barkley. We're able to re-sign Daniel Jones. They got all their, their weapons back. They added some more, like Jalen Hyatt. Another season with Brian Dabble, and they've just stuck the bed. And now I regret that I came on these very airwaves and said the idiotic thought that they were going to win the division. Four weeks into the season, and I'm a clown for picking the Giants.
Clown. Got to change my pick. I still don't think it's going to be Eagles because of the trend. Now, there is something that's interesting because maybe the trend is is deeper than we're, we're thinking, Stub. Because if you go back 20 years, the last time an NFC East team won back-to-back division titles, it was the Philadelphia Eagles with a very good dual-threat quarterback in Donovan McNabb. A great head coach in Andy Reid. Not saying Sirianni is that good, as good as Andy Reid, but a dominant defense as well. So maybe the trend is that every 20 years, you get a back-to-back division champ, and it could be the Philadelphia Eagles this season. It's just it's hard to look at their schedule right now and find a loss. It's... It really is. I hate to say that. But this week, maybe the Rams could get them in SoFi Stadium. I kind of think that defensive line is going to get right past the Rams, and they're going to they're gonna sack Stafford left and right. Then they have the Jets. Then the Dolphins could be their first loss of the season. But you know what? That's at home, at the link. That's a winnable game. I don't know if the Eagles uh, – I don't know when they're going to lose. I hate it. But, man, they looked good in that win against the Commanders. I thought the Commanders played well enough to win the game. You know what? The Eagles got the outcome that they wanted. A W. While the Commanders, we got a, a MV. A moral victory. So lame. I'm Adam Epstein. You've been listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Thanks to the hard work, Christopher, behind the scenes producing the show. It's Grant and Danny coming up next.